everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is our friends at WineAccess.com, W-I-N-E-A-C-C-E-S-S.com. Right now, you can go to WineAccess.com slash TrapDraw, where you'll receive 15% off your first three orders. If you have not been to Wine Access yet, it's just a fantastic website. Right now on the on the Trap Draw and No Laying Up landing page, there are a number of excellent wines, uh, some super Tuscans, as Tron made sure I pointed out. And you can click on each one, and it will tell you all the characteristics of the wine, what it pairs with, the optimal way to serve it, um, the history of the grape, where it's from. It's just a fantastic website with loads of information. Wine Access ships it properly. It'll arrive at your door ready to drink. Uh, the other thing I want to shout out right now, they have some sake in store. So um, if you're looking for sake, be sure to check out their their sake page. In addition to that, they have a master of wine and a master sommelier on staff. They have a fantastic podcast you can subscribe to, the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. And then they just have a blog section with a lot, a lot of good information. Um, you can read about best way to pair. You can read about a gift guide. They they have you know top rated in stock selections. So whether you're a novice wine person such as myself, or deep in the game such as TC, WineAccess.com is really the one stop shop for everybody. Thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now on to today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. I am Randy. I have a very special guest today, somebody that I've gotten to know personally over the last several years. And actually, the subject of our discussion today is is the reason why, and that's Sweetens Cove Golf Course, Golf Club, excuse me, in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. My guest is Jim Hartzell. He has a book coming out called The Secret Home of Golf, A History of Sweetens Cove Golf Club. Obviously going to talk a lot about that. But we're also going to talk about he, um, he he does a lot of writing, particularly on Scottish golf. He's got a series going on our website, nolangup.com. That is just exceptional. And by way of a bit of background on Jim, Jim is a native and lifelong resident of Alabama. He's a registered architect. He's designed buildings for the University of Alabama, Jacksonville State, the University of Georgia, and the University of Florida. Uh, he has a passion for golf especially Scottish link style and golf riding. Uh, those things are his true passion. So I mentioned he is, he is writing for us. He's also writing for the Lynx diary. He has a piece coming up in a future golfers journal, just a great guy. Well-read, well-spoken, 
has a passion for golf, and I'm so excited that he's joining us. Jim, I'm sorry for the lengthy intro there. How are you today? And uh, thanks for hopping on with me. Well, Randy, I, what can I say? I'm, I'm good, and this is just an honor to, to be invited to what I consider the flagship of the No Laying Up franchise. You're, you're very nice. You're very nice. <laughs> Well, hey, I mentioned, obviously, that the reason why I wanted to talk to you today is about your new book, um, again, The Secret Home of Golf, A History of Sweetens Cove Golf Club. Uh, let's let's start right there. This is your first book project. Uh, tell the folks, when when is the, the public release date, and more importantly, where can folks find it? Well, we have pre-orders going right now. That started about two weeks ago. And you can order it at back9press.com, which is back, the number nine press.com for the pre-orders. And then it will be shipped at the end of August. After that, it will be available on Amazon and, and hopefully in some bookstores. But up until that date, um, you can only pre-order it from, from the publisher. But after that, you, there'll be a couple of other ways to get it. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I mentioned you, you've done a lot of writing. Uh, this is your first book. Let me let's back up and, and talk to me. How did you get started on the writing side of things? When when did that really uh, start to play a part in your life? Well, honestly, Randy, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, I had a high school English teacher that was just a brilliant teacher and really encouraged writing and my writing. And then when I went to college, I took a number of uh, creative writing courses. We didn't have a lot of chances for electives with architecture, but the ones that I did, I almost always took creative writing and just, I had some really good professors. It's just something I've always wanted to do. And I, as I've done it in my business, I've sort of been the go-to writer for everything, wherever I've been. And I've always wanted to write about golf. I don't know, about five years ago, I really started getting more serious about it and started writing some on my own blog, sending stuff out to different publications and, you know, talking to you guys some about doing some and, um, you know, just kind of got into it and um, found that I'm, I'm okay at it and uh, people seem to enjoy it and I, I love doing it. So I've just, it's just kind of grown and continued the last few years. Uh, you're being, you're, you're being modest as I, as I would expect. I, I think you, you do a fantastic job. Uh, talk to me about the the process of the craft as as you've experienced over the last five years. Have have you noticed a big growth in in how you write or a change in the process how you go about it? You know, I've been influenced a lot, and I, this is one thing. I, one reason I think you and I have sort of become friends the last few years is we both have a little bit of a literary bent i think and I, i've been influenced by a lot of the stuff that i've read and loved over the years and the authors that i that i like which you know outside of golf or like uh, cormac mccarthy and umberto echo and charles palliser and you know people like that and then in golf the classics bernard darwin is somebody that i started reading a long time ago and I, anybody that loves golf and golf history i'd go out and buy a bernard darwin book and just sit down one night and read a couple of stories and you know people like james finnegan who i met once or twice uh, michael bamberger um you know i like you know golf is uh, sort of me the most literary of, of sports you know baseball is probably right behind it but if you look at the body of writing 
and quality of writing and golf is up there with with any of them and so I, you know i just i guess i've been influenced by that and so i guess the style the way that i write hasn't changed that much i guess one thing i did have to learn writing the book i had never done a ton of interviews and i bet i've conducted 45 or 50 interviews for this book i mean mm -hmm. i've got a stack of paper probably a thousand pages of stuff that i've and i learned you know it's interesting i learned I started out trying to transcribe this stuff myself. And after about the second one, I'm like, I will never finish this. It'll take me, <laughs> it'll take me 25 years. So I realized I got to send this to a transcription service. I mean, stuff like that, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I thought, well, I, you know, that just opened it up because then I could send it, get it back. And all of a sudden I've got my, my interview to read through. So, you know, there was a learning curve, but I had a natural, I, you know, ability to talk to people and people enjoy talking to me. So that the interviews have been fun and enjoyable, so. but it was a learn. It was a bit of a learning curve starting out. I, I think Jim, one of the things I just always associate with you. And I, I think uh, again, one of the foundations of why you and I are, are good friends is uh, not only is golf very literary, but there's a spirituality that I think we both really enjoy exploring and, you know, talking about and, and just uh, whether that be in ourselves or in, in other people. So that, that's one of the things I love most about your writing is, is you, you just come at it from a very, yeah, I guess spiritual is the word. I, I'm trying to think of what, of what a different word would be, but is, is that fair? Is, does that resonate with you? That is very fair. And I'd left one person out. Uh, Michael Murphy is another person that I really respect. And, um, you know, he golf in the kingdom, obviously, is a classic. And I don't know, the, the first time I went to Scotland, I'd read golf in the kingdom when I was in college. And um, I got back and I, I wrote Michael Murphy a letter. And it was a long, I, I wish I still had it, but I sent it to him. But I mean, it was probably four or five pages long, just telling him about what had happened at some of these places that just seemed unbelievable. And this was before the internet, Randy. I mean, this this was like 94. And um, found my number and called me. And we wound up talking for about an hour. And he just told me how much my letter meant to him and how great it was. And I, I remember thinking then, well, maybe I can do this. And I know that's a long time ago, but I just, I, that was another thing that kind of fueled me, even though it took me a while to really get into it. I thought, well, maybe I can right and maybe people would be interested in it so that was another thing that i had that, that happened so uh, <laughs> i'm gonna ask you to out your age i hope you don't mind but if that was 94 how how old were you when you made that first trip to scotland i was 27 okay and and do you remember what talk to me about your mindset going into your first trip and, and what that meant for you. I, I guess what I'm getting at is I, I, if you, if you don't mind maybe talking about just your history with golf more broadly, did you grow up playing? Was, was that a, was that a pilgrimage of sorts for you? Yes. Golf has been the framework of my life, quite frankly. I mean, my dad played, my grandfather played, I grew up playing, played six years of high school golf, which played in seventh and eighth grade on the varsity team. Uh, loved it. Um, briefly considered walking on at Mississippi State before I realized you needed to be able to break 75 on a consistent <laughs> basis. 
you know, back then, if you shot 75 in high school, you were a good player. You, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, that, there's a different, a difference. So, um, but I've always uh, loved it and I've always played it. And it's just been what we did on vacations and what we did on, you know, on the weekend, me and my dad played golf and, you know, he played Wednesday afternoon and I'd go with him sometimes. And that's just what I've always done. And, um, but I, I, for some reason, I became fascinated with the Open Championship. I'm going to say it that way. You all can argue with me. <laughs> like DJ said, that's what they call it. So yeah. I just became fascinated with that tournament. My dad loved it, and we would watch it. You know, back then it came on ABC, and you'd, only, you'd get like – they'd start coverage on like the 13th hole or something, like, you know, 12th or 13th hole. So you're lucky to get the last six or seven holes. And But I just was fascinated by it. I remember the one – I, the one I clearly remember watching with him and can see almost every last few holes. And granted, I've rewatched it a bunch over the years, but was 77 at Turnberry with mm -hmm. Nicholas and Watson. And I, I'll tell you, I mean, if you want to spend a, if you don't have anything to do one night, <laughs> go watch the final. I think you can find the final round of that thing somewhere. And it's just unbelievable. And uh, the course was just, perfect it was brown and the ball was rolling and i don't know something about that i just thought you know this is golf and i've got to, i've got to do this someday and i remember me and my dad talking about it and we you know it was probably what was that probably 17 years later we we finally wound up doing it it was everything i thought it would be and i've gone back numerous times since then and um you know it's just the essence of golf and i mean you know you've been and it's it's just the courses are so good and the, the golf is a way of life over there. It's not, it's a part of the fabric of life in a way that it's not here. And uh, it's just something about it that's, that I love. I, I've only been once. You've obviously been a number of times. I'm really curious what your favorite spots, and I, I use the word spot very specifically because I, I, I think there have to be more so than a, a town, more so than a course. Are, are there a few spots, like a bench, a an overlook that that stick out to you that that are among your favorite in Scotland? There are. This is going to be a hard one to answer, but there is a there's a little town on the way to Macrahannis called Tarbert, and there's a bench looking out onto the lake. There, there's you know how these towns are over there. The, there's always a little park between the town and the lake. And so there's this little park there. And um, I remember stopping there. I've stopped there several times when I've gone down to Macrahannis and just sat there. It's just incredible. I mean, I've got a picture of it somewhere. I'll send it to you. But, um, you know, that one I always think about. I think about the first time, and this is a golf course, but I think it's relevant. I think the first time walking up to Cruden Bay before they had the new clubhouse, but they had an old little tiny white clubhouse uh close to where the huge one is now and when you just walk out and see this thing spread out in front of you you're just you're it almost just takes your breath away you know so that that one is golf related but um and i'm golf related i i, I think what i was saying was you know it's easy to say like oh the old course is my favorite spot but but where on you know like i want to drill down even further and 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 ask you like what is that specific spot where your feet are or where you're sitting that is your favorite i would have to say the 11th tee at denaverty um that that is the 
epicenter of golf as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, most people listening to this will say, well, Jim's crazy. What, <laughs> where, where, where's, where's the Naverty? But um, it's about 20, 25 minutes from Macrahan. It's really not that far, but you know how long it takes to drive anywhere over there. Twice as long as you think it does. But um, it's just the spot. It's the high point on the course, and you're just looking out. You can almost see Ireland. You can probably see Ireland on a clear day, and the course is all spread out. And I can think of a couple of times that I've been there where I've been by myself, and I've just sat on that tee for – and nobody's on the course. I've sat there for 20 or 30 minutes. I'll do it the next time I go if it's not crowded, um, which it usually isn't. To be That would be it to me. And there's, a, there's several like that, but um, none of them are quite – that way to me there's just something about it that's just unbelievable i would consider it as far as i'm concerned my spiritual home of, of or place of, of golf if you will i i love that i love that that's exactly what i was i was interested in and i know you have a piece coming in the Lynx diary i've got one on denaverty that came out in volume two okay it's, it's already out okay yeah, it's out and um that was their last issue and you can order it if you don't mind me plugging them no please uh the links diary.com uh these guys have started this they started this journal last year and they're they're four really talented guys and it's really beautiful it's like to me it's like a a miniature version of golfer's journal for scotland so i've got a, a story on denaverty in that one and then um i've got one on cullen in the first issue which i think you you've probably read because i've interviewed you for that one yes <laughs> uh, yes and then volume three is coming out, I think, in September or early October. And I've got one of my favorite stories that I've ever written coming out in that one about um, about a caddy at Presswick. And uh, it may be my favorite one that I've written so far. And it's all done. And they're 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 working on the they're working on the, the layout and printing stuff now. You know, it takes several months to get those things put together, but it's. And, you know, hopefully I'll continue with them. And uh, But they've been great. And they, you know, they took it. They love my writing right off the bat. And they've just given me a chance in every issue to to, to write something. So it's been fun. I, I love it. And then if you don't mind, uh, if you could just talk about what you've written for us and um, how that series is going. That is going great. I've loved that. Um, Tron called me. Um, when I got back from Scotland about two years ago and we talked for about two hours, we were just comparing notes on places. And I had, you were kind enough to uh, introduce me to George Clark before I went uh, via email, who's wound up, you and I both love, is one of the nicest men that I have ever met in my entire life. So I've, we talked about all the stuff that happened, all the places I went and I tend towards off the beaten path places mm -hmm. you know when i was younger and i went with my dad we played Muirfield, we played you know turnberry we played troon we played all these famous places royal litham and burkdale and really all the open venues except except royal st george's we never got down there but we did all that so and it's great look i'm i would never tell people i think people should do that but I, as I, I've done all that. I like going to the places that nobody talks about a lot. So Tron and I talked and I said, look, he said, I, we'd love, he'd read some stuff I'd written on my blog. And he said, I'd love to, for you to write a series about this. So um, 
I know y'all were re reworking your website and it, it took a while to, to get all that done. But, um, <laughs> yes. I, I started out with just kind of a general overview of that particular trip and what I, how I felt about the type of places we were going and really what set the tone for me, if you don't mind, this is just a quick story. Um, I took my son, Jake, we were going to play and Jake's a lot like me. He likes to go to places nobody's ever heard of that much. But he did want to play the old course, which I totally understand. And sure. the old course is probably to the, it's, you know, probably the greatest experience you can ever have in golf. So we had planned this whole thing, Randy. We, you know, planned it for months. And the second day we were going to play the old course. We were playing Ely first, which is another favorite of yours. And uh, yeah, no, just real quick. I think uh, maybe not my, my favorite spot, but that bar that sits off, is it the fourth hole? Oh, the 19th hole. It's on, it's on the fourth tee. Yeah. yeah the, oh my God. Uh, we, we walked in there and had a pint and I, I just remember that just the pure happiness that I felt, uh, in that spot, particularly. Well, we did the same. Uh, there was nobody out behind us and I said, well, we might as well go in. We went down and sat down and had a, a pint of tenants and yeah. came back out and kept playing. I mean, where, where else can you do something like that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, when I was, we played Ely the first day and, um, we had the old, it had, this actually happened before we left. We had scheduled the old for the second day. And I, I'm messing up the story a little bit, but the day before we left, I was going to get online and enter the ballot for the old course. And I told Jake, look, if we don't get the ballot, we'll just go get in line at three o'clock in the morning. Like, and we'll, we'll get out, we'll get on because I've done it before. I know we will. And he said, that'll be fine. You know? So when I went to check that, to enter the ballot it said the old course is closed for the entire week the rna is having a tournament and i thought oh my gosh how could i not have checked this i'm, I'm like the ultimate trip planner i mean i've got a book <laughs> of stuff and i didn't check i just thought you know everybody you can play the old anytime well it was closed so i called jake i, I thought i've ruined this trip for him and he was so calm about it he said well hey let's go play anstruther like almost immediately and Anstruther's this little nine-hole course about 20 minutes from St. Andrews going toward Ely. It's not far from Ely. He said, let's just do that. So we didn't even have a tee time. And on the plane over there, I emailed the uh, course. And I said, hey, we'd like to come play day after tomorrow. And the manager, Matt, um, emailed me back. He's like, yeah, come on. You know, he was just really nice. And, of course, we got out. We went out there early. There was nobody there. And they had an honesty box. And. Anyway, long story short, we wound up playing 45 holes, and Jake to this day says it's the greatest day of his life and his favorite course. And so I guess that's part of my story in that first part for your series is let things happen on trips. Give yourself a little bit of um, room for stuff to happen uh, by accident almost. I mean, this was an accident, and we wound up playing this place that we dearly love now, and he didn't you know, he doesn't complain at all, even though, he, you know, I hate that he didn't get to play the old course. We went out there and walked around and saw everything and went to the Dunvegan and went to the Jigger Inn and did all that stuff. And that was the overview, just kind of an overview of all the places I went. And then I've just been going through in, in order, Ely, you know, Anstruther, Ely, Cruden Bay, Fraserburg, Cullen. I'm, I'm, I'm actually about to, Covesey is the next one in the series it's another little nine holer that nobody 
I, I think some people have heard of it, but not many. It's not it's not on the tour the tour guide list. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff. And really talking about what I like about it and what I've had fun doing on your side is, you know, I talk about the golf and that's important, but I don't just completely go by a hole by hole analysis. I talk about people and maybe places that we, we went to eat or really a lot about like Cullen is a lot about George who I just admire and is such a nice man. Uh, and I try to find out a little bit about the history of, you know, like for, for example, that at Cullen, that, that railway uh, viaduct is just amazing when you come in there. Yes. And I was just interested, like, why is this thing, why is this thing here? I mean, this must've cost a fortune to build it in 1883 or whatever. So I did a little research on that and, um, you know, that kind of stuff interests me. I, you know, I'm an architect and um, when I see something that impressive that people have put the time and effort into and spent the money on it, it intrigues me because Cullen is this great little town and it's framed by this massive masonry thing. When you come in, it's just incredible. So that's the kind of stuff I've, I'm writing about. And, um, you know, it's got a ways to go. And I talked to Tron, uh, a week or two ago about continuing it and you know even beyond this this first trip because i'm i'm hoping to go back really i'm i'm going back in two weeks god willing then they don't change the covid restrictions mm-hmm. again so i'm i'm gonna hit some places i've never been so anyway long answer but yes i've i've loved doing it and i hope people have enjoyed it i've, I've gotten a, i've seen to have gotten a pretty good response from people from it so yeah it's I I could tell you it's it's excellent. We feel very fortunate to be able to highlight it and have it a part of our website. So um, I yeah, thank you from all of us. Hey everybody, Randy here. Sorry to interrupt the conversation, but I want to thank our other sponsor for today's podcast, and that is our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook. It's also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for you listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, maybe every four years. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. Listeners, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TRAPDRAW, all one word, when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code TRAPDRAW to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to our conversation. I, I think you said something there that is a perfect segue into Sweetens. And, and you know, you were just talking about Colin. You said when, when people spend the time and effort and resources to create something that unique and that pretty, you know, that grabs your attention. And I feel like that is, is Sweetens Cove golf club. Um, this is your first book, which I've mentioned. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit about how this book came to be, when the idea occurred to you, and what the process has been like from, you know, that that seed in your mind uh, to reality now. I, you know, I'm a golf nut, as you can tell. Um, have been to Scotland all these times. Live, you know, 92 or 94 miles from Sweetens Cove, and I had never heard of the place. And this was in. 2016 jake my son jake sent me the fried egg podcast he sent me a link to it rob was on there and this was back in podcast you can hardly the audio quality of it's terrible but it was early <laughs> podcast days but rob was on there and it's just really good and i and he was like dad we got to go up to this place and i'm like well i don't know and i listened to it and so we decided we were going to drive up there and so we took off on a on a saturday morning or a sunday morning i can't remember and um, we, we had called, I had called and made a, a tea time. Of course, I didn't realize it didn't even really need a tea time, but <laughs> I called and talked to Patrick. I didn't know it was Patrick, but so we start up there, Randy, and, um, get about 20 miles into the drive and, um, it just, it starts raining and my phone rings and it's Patrick. And, uh, I answered it. I don't, I don't even know why I answered it, but he said, look, man, I just wanted to call you and tell you I'm going to have to close the course. It's so wet up here. I didn't want y'all to drive all the way up here. And I said, well, I appreciate that. And uh, so I hung up and I told Jake, who does that? Who calls somebody that they've never met? He just had my number from when I called on his, on his cell phone and, and tells them not to drive so they don't waste their time. I said, we are going back up there. It's the last thing <laughs> we do. So we went, it was either the next weekend or the weekend after. I met Patrick. I came out there, and of course, when I walked out, I was just blown away by what I saw, and the course was just incredible. And so I started just becoming obsessed by it. I went up there every weekend, and about the fifth or sixth time, Jake and I, and my one of my other sons, Jordan, were playing, and um, we got to the fifth hole and or the fifth tee, and Rob was standing out there, and uh, he introduced himself, and uh, he played. We played about nine or 10 holes we kept playing around to probably all the way back around to five or six and we just hit it off not long after that he asked me to to join the club and i hadn't thought about writing the book then because i didn't know the whole story behind everything i mean i knew a little bit about it but then i'll tell you when i thought when i decided i was going to write this book the first ringer event that was in october i think it was october of 2018 Tron played in it and Solly played in it. And I actually played with Tron three rounds, met him there. And um, at the end of that, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I still say it was one of the most fun events I've ever been to. And the people I've met through that, I cannot ever repay, you know, just the what I've gotten out of that. But at the end of that, and I talk about this in the book some, Rob gave this speech. Zach Blair gave a little talk. There was a playoff for the championship. And anyway, it was over. He gave out the trophies. And he asked Rob to say something. And Rob gave this little speech and um, was almost in tears about the course. And he couldn't believe the people that were here. And I just remember thinking, this something about this. It's just, there's a story here that's got to be told. And I called Rob about two weeks later. And I said, hey, uh, I got a crazy idea for you. And he said, well, I love crazy ideas. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the way he is. You've met him. And, yeah. Um, he's just a great guy. And he said, 
He said, what is it? I said, well, I want to write a book about Sweetens Cove and the whole story of how it came to be and the struggle you've been through. And he sat there for a second. He said, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And um, <laughs> so that's what started it. And, you know, the process of it from there, um, I had never done it before. I made an outline, um, which the outline changed over the years. But um, the basic outline, I, I started out making a timeline of everything that happened and an outline to go with it, uh, just doing research. And then I then I started going to meet with Rob and we'd go to the Tremont Tavern, which is just down the street from his house, this great little um, pub in, in uh, Chattanooga. And we'd sit there for four or five hours and just go through everything and I'd record it. And um, we did that two or three times. And then I started eat, interviewing other people uh, and trying to develop the story. And I was really interested in the story but also the construction part of it I'm, I'm just being an architect i was fascinated by the you know how they did all this you know and you'll see in the book that some of the pictures of this place before they started working on it i mean it's just dead flat i mean it's like a football field <laughs> and when you go out there you think this place has been here a hundred years but it had it, it it was it, it's just amazing so that kind of stuff fascinated me and I just I, I sort of came up with the outline for the chapters and it's taken me two years to really sort of finish and then really finishing the editing and the final touches uh, has taken another you know two or three months three or four months really and uh, but yeah that's kind of how it how it developed I, I'm always blown away by the work and time that goes into a project like this and I, I just get a real sense of appreciation for that hearing hearing you lay it out like that it's quite impressive and i think it you know it's like damn congratulations this is you know when, when you hear it like that it it's it really drives home uh i'm sure the satisfaction and sense of accomplishment hopefully that if you haven't felt already hopefully you'll feel you know in, in the next couple of weeks well i thank you I, you know one thing that i found that unfortunately i have i must have this gift a little bit but to continue a thread of a story through so many words is hard to do. I have sympathy for somebody like uh, George Martin of the Game of Thrones author. He can't finish his books because they're just too complicated. The thread of it is just, and I have sympathy, and the guy's a genius. I mean, but he, it's too hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm just talking about a, you know, 60, 50,000 word book here. But the thread of something of a story you have to be a little bit of a storyteller to keep people's interest and you have to, there has to be a continuity. And fortunately just something in the back of my mind, I'm able to do that a little bit, but it's still hard to do. And you have to, it just takes a lot of coordination and time. And that was the hard thing about finishing is just making sure all those threads were tied together. And, um, you know, I had all the facts, right. And, um, Cause even when you talk, Randy, even when you talk to like you interview, for example, um, Rob and Tad King, who I interviewed three or four times, Rob's partner, and the guys that worked on it, like Gus Grantham, the the, the head bulldozer man, Schaefer, who's just a character. I mean, I, he, you know, you get different uh, recollections yeah. from people. You know what I mean? And, and so, yeah. so you, you sit there and you say, okay, there's three different versions of this. Which one is it? It's probably something in the middle. Right. 
so you sort of interpolate and then you talk to them again and then finally there's a consensus yeah that's probably that's right and but that that was interesting to me that you know everybody's memory is a little different and that was fun too but and yeah and working on it with rob he's enjoyed it he's been a great help and um a great resource too so but yeah that's kind of kind of how it's gone well that's fantastic and i think that let's let's dive into it i was before we started recording i was telling you one of the things i it's just a fine line to talk about books before they've been released uh because i think the goal is to pique people's interest and give enough to generate that interest without you know giving away the 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 crux of the story and and the meat and potatoes if you will so I was thinking about that, and and you sent me a, a rough draft, which has been very helpful. Each of your twelve chapters, and I guess fourteen if we count the prologue and, and epilogue, you have accompanying quotes that that start each uh, chapter. And I, you know, I'm I'm a big sucker for quotes anyway, Jim, and and you have some outstanding ones. So what I think would be fun is I would love to just go through each of these chapters and read the quote, and then kind of ask you. Um, maybe why that quote and, and maybe at, at a higher level, how that pertains to the story of, of Sweeten's Cove. So let's start with the prologue. It, it's titled South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. That's the town that Sweeten's Cove is in. Um, and, and the quote is a Michael Bamberger quote from his book to the Lynx land. And it says, where do I begin to try to explain the joys of Macrahanish? Yes, this, I have to say, this is my all-time favorite book, Golf or Otherwise. I just think it's the greatest. It's just a brilliant book. And I remember wrote it when he was probably, gosh, he couldn't have been 30 years old. He must have been in his late 20s. And so I, that book actually inspired me to take my first trip. That's how I planned my first trip to Scotland um, and how I found uh, my first trip. I went, we played the old course, but we spent a week at Macrahannis. It was all from reading his book. And so part of the reason that quote is relevant is the the journey of getting to somewhere and finding it. And when you get there, it's hard to explain how good it is. It's kind of what the prologue's about and, you know, kind of how traveling to Sweetens from wherever you may be. My first couple of times Sweetens, even when I go up there now, I went up there Sunday to, to walk around for a bit. I get that same feeling of discovery of driving down these roads, these back roads. And uh, that's just what, how Bamberger sort of his book was. And um, I sort of relate that discovery to what he was trying to say with that quote, if that, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Chapter one is titled a golf course architect. And the, the quote that goes with that is from the good doctor, Alistair McKenzie from his book, the spirit of St. Andrews. And the quote is, golf architecture is a new art closely allied to that of the artist or sculptor, but also necessitating a scientific knowledge of many other subjects. Yes, this one, and I, I've, that book is great, and I'm sure you've read it, and I've probably read it five times, and it's, it's one of my favorites, and I had it, I've had it by my computer the whole time I've been writing, so I've got actually a couple of quotes from him in here, but uh, that is referencing sort of Rob's journey. You know, he didn't start out as a golf course architect. He had a degree in art history from Sewanee. It's interesting to me 
that Rob has this art background and art history background and literary background, which Sawani, I don't know how much you know about it, but it's 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 a classic uh, liberal arts uh, school, you know, up yeah. on the mountain, you know, yeah. thirty. And you look as much as you love campuses. I hope you've been up there because you will flip out about this. <laughs> no, I, mean, I have. All right, next time you're up at, at Sweden, you've got to drive up there. I know. And and you know what? When I was I, – so I spent two years at Washington and Lee, and I just know Swanee from the annual football game that we would play against them. Uh, but we never got to play them in basketball, which was always a shame. <laughs> well, knowing your love of quads and structure, campus structures, this place is great. But anyway, I'm digressing a bit. Um <laughs> Rob had this sort of background, and I, that quote just jumped out at me because I think Mackenzie is talking about golf architecture as an art, which I think it is. I think that's why people have gravitated back to uh, Seth Rayner and Donald Ross and um, Mackenzie and Harry Colt and the great James Braid. I mean, you know, that it's, a, it's to look at some of these holes and the way they fit into the landscape is artwork. And I think um, Rob was trying to figure out a way to become a golf course architect. And I talk about this a lot in the chapter, you know, how he got to that. And it involved uh, really him almost creating his own curriculum, if you will. And I just thought that this quote uh, was really relative to that. So I, I love that. Rob, yeah. Rob is such a, he's such a nice man. He's an interesting man. Uh, if, if anybody ever has a chance to, to meet him, uh, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, chapter two, Sequatchie Valley Golf and Country Club is the name of the chapter. And the quote is old Tom Morris speaking on Macrahanish. He says, quote, the almighty had golf in his eye when he made this place. Yes, and I think that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, old Tom, and, I, and I've mentioned Macrahanish in this book, a lot and people i hope people will check it out from that but one of my top five favorite courses in the world but what he's saying is and tom old tom morris is also a genius i mean he's he's one of the greatest golf architects of all time and i don't know that he gets enough credit for that but he's saying that he you know i don't even have to do much for this place i've walked out here it's beautiful i've got to find some greens and some tees and, and it, this was a little bit relevant to me here just because of the valley, the cove where Sweetens is, is just, you've been out there. I mean, you could just sit there with a beer in the afternoon and not move and just watch the sun go down. Yeah. I mean, it's just a beautiful place. So that's kind of what I think, and Rob will tell you this, you know, they did a lot of earthwork on that course, but you know, the setting of this valley and the way the sunlight comes down through these hills, it's kind of focused almost, I don't know, it's very bizarre almost. It's very low. And it, it, um, so that's what I'm going to say is this, this, this natural setting was just, was just perfect for a golf course. Yeah. It, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Chapter three is an expensive bottle of wine. Uh, and this is a quote from Rob Collins himself. He says, I was desperate, totally desperate. I will freely admit to that. I would have died to get on a core Crenshaw job, be one of Gil Hans's shapers, anything just to get my foot in the door so I could advance my career. I told Bob, I promise you, if you hire us, I will give you everything that I've got. Rob, when the economy crashed in 
I guess the Bear Stearns thing and the prime subprime mortgage stuff in 2008. And he lost his job. He was working for Gary Player Design on a course in uh, Canada. And he just they shut it down. He had to come home. It's just trying to talk about the desperation he felt and disappointment. You know, he'd finally gotten to this, what he loved doing, and he was really starting to working on a really nice project up there. And all of a sudden it was just over with and he couldn't find, he, and nobody was hiring anybody. So that's kind of what that one is referencing, just kind of where his mindset was then when he uh, sort of came back and had to move back to Chattanooga because of what happened. Mm-hmm. And that moves into chapter four, moving dirt. Uh, this is a quote from, well, uh, Colt and Allison yeah. in, in their essays on golf course architecture says it is generally recognized that beautiful surroundings add greatly to the attraction of a lynx. I, I know we, we just touched on this a little bit with the Valley there, but uh, I, I imagine. This know. is kind of a similar one just because this is when they were starting to figure out what they were going to do out there. And Rob was coming up with some ideas. And when I go back and when I've talked to him and he just, he'd always talk about, you know, the sunset and the light and all these things that you don't hear a lot about. So it's really kind of, that one's kind of a similar one to, to chapter two, really just kind of the, just the natural settings of the, of the Valley. And now we move into the course a little bit. Chapter five is a fever dream. It's by, you might have to help me with this last name. Is it Arnold Haltain? Yeah, that's right. In, in his book, the mystery of golf, he says bunkers are avowedly where they are to catch the unworthy and unwary. I, I like that quote. And I, I, this is a book that I recommend to people. It's it's not. I think it, I think it was published in 1908, and it's just the most bizarre. That the fact that this guy wrote this book in 1908, I, it just blows my mind. But so I, I highly recommend it. Um, I've, I've read it several times. But I, that one to me is, and he's got there's so many good quotes in there that are still relevant. Really, just you, you'll laugh out loud. You know, reading yeah. this uh, writing a hundred something years ago. So. Anyway, to me, that's about the process of, you know, how golf is, the hazards are there for a reason. You may not know they're there. It's kind of, to me, it was kind of tied into what what they were going through during construction and some of the, some of the challenges they were running into during construction is kind of how that one tied mm-hmm. into me. Chapter six is the, the Himalayas in the heart or, or the Himalayas as our Scottish friends might pronounce it. Uh, it's a quote by John Law. Uh, concerning, I, I assume, a book called Concerning Golf. And he says, the architect must allow the ground to dictate play. That's a good book, too. That It's more of a architectural book. Um, and he really talks about what I think Rob was trying to do at Sweetens was let the, the ground dictate play. Because, you know, from having played there a lot, you can play any kind of shot you want out there. Yes. I mean, people that have played with me have seen me hit a knockdown eight iron from 80 yard. I mean, just you can do whatever you want to. That was what he was trying to do. And he was trying to give you options and ways to play that are a little bit more than the standard. I'm hitting over a lake to the middle of the green or, you know, whatever. It just to me, that one really good because it was tied into what Rob's one of his theories of, of design is. Yeah. Uh, chapter seven, I think might be my favorite chapter title. Uh, you have, a, you have some good ones, but I, I think I would place this one. Number one, 
It's called You Come at Tag King, You Best Not Miss. And it's another McKenzie quote from Spirit of St. Andrews. It says, a golf course should be made interesting and a good test of golf by the tilt of the greens and the character of the undulations. Well, first of all, are you a wire fan of, of the wire? Of course. Yeah, okay, of course. Well, yeah. It's probably, I would say, the greatest show of all time. And um, so that's where that came from. Uh, yes. Uh, that one is really about Tad because I, I, I finally get into Tad there and he's a great guy and he's kind of the silent partner of this and he does not care for the spotlight. He's, but he's a, he's a great gentleman and great. You'd love to meet him and talk to him and, but he's not, he's just kind of the silent partner, but he does his thing. And his thing is uh, he, he's an expert at construction, but he is probably he's a genius at finishing greens. I mean, that's what he, you know, of, of all the stuff he does, I would say that's his specialty. And so I was really trying to say he had a lot to do with the final, and Rob will give him credit for this, with the final contours and slopes on the greens at Sweetens, which, so that's what, that's what that one is referring to. Okay. Chapter eight, where I, I, I love this one, Purgatorio. Uh, it's a quote from Dante's book, Purgatorio. It says, this mountain is so formed that it is always wearisome when one begins the ascent, but becomes easier the higher one climbs. Yeah, again, uh, Dante's uh, Inferno and Purgatory and uh, the whole trilogy is great. And uh, I still I still recommend that. It's not light reading by any means, but um, <laughs> you do read it and you find the things like that in it. And you're like, OK, you know, and so to me that is about the struggle that at that point that Rob and, and everybody was going through and they seemed to be getting nowhere, but every so often there would be some little glimmer of hope and you could sense maybe they were making progress and maybe this place might make it. I mean, you'll see this in the book, but Sweetens Cove was a day away from shutting down 10 times and well, I mean, it did shut down for a while, but, you know, after Rob took it over, you know, it's just, it was just so tenuous for the longest time. So that's kind of what that uh, it's about that struggle that, that they went through. Yeah. And, and that moves us then to finally a, an opening day, which is chapter nine opening day. And it's a Bernard Darwin quote. It says the truly great ones will conquer and it is unwise to bet against them. Yeah. I love Darwin. He's just a genius. And um, I just cannot, recommend enough i mean if you love golf go out and you can get reprints of all his books and i'd get this darwin sketchbook is one that is probably the best to start with but he was a huge fan of bobby jones and harry varden and um james braid and jh taylor and so he's talking about them and you know he's talking about the great champions and how you just don't ever it's like uh if i might randy uh when Phil won the PGA a few weeks ago, yeah. just it's unwise to bet against them. I mean, <laughs> let's, 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 let's make fun of Phil. Let's, let's say that he's a judge. Let's do all this stuff. He was brilliant. He played a brilliant golf tournament. I mean, it was the most incredible thing that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And so that's, and I'm, I, that's a bit of a digression, but I'm talking about somebody like Rob, don't bet against them because they're, they're, they're going to make it. And um, so that's kind of what that one is about. I, you know, Darwin was talking about some of his heroes, but uh, that's, I thought it was relevant. Yeah. I, I love that. 
Chapter 10 is called St. Patrick and the Acolytes. This is another, uh, this would probably be a close second in my favorite chapter title, uh, St. Patrick and the Acolytes. Um, and I, I, I want to ask you a little bit because it's a quote by John Updike in Farrell's Caddy. And, and that's a work I, I, I am not familiar with. And, and the quote is, Farrell would never have walked 36 holes a day in America, but here in Scotland, golf was not an accessory to life, drawing upon one's marginal energy. It was life played out of the center of one's being. Yeah, I would recommend this. Uh, there's a there's a collection of uh, stories by Updike called um, Golf Dreams. And of course, he wrote a lot of he wrote fiction, but he was a big golfer. I think he was a member at uh, Myopia Hunt Club. Hmm. Loved golf, played it his whole life. But um, that story is a fiction story about a man going to Scotland to play. He's an American. He's never been, he doesn't understand what he's gotten into. And he's got this caddy that's telling him what to do. And it just, it's just a, it's a funny, but it's a good story. Uh, but that particular quote in this chapter is a lot about Patrick and um, people like John Allen, Chico and Trey Moon. And um, you know, some of the early people that, that, discovered sweetens and uh, it's really about those early days i mean people that came out there would just play all day until dark i mean everybody you talk to and, and that was one of my favorite things about this book was talking to people about their first one or two times they yeah. went to sweeten and almost without fail they canceled what they were doing they called their wife they called their girlfriend they called whoever and said i'm not look i'm gonna be it's going to be 11 o'clock or midnight. <laughs> you know, and they just, just played golf until dark. So that's kind of in that story. This American is talking about the energy that he got, he got from Lynx golf and that was different from American golf. And, and, and that's what I feel at Sweetens. I think Sweetens is, is, you know, I've said this a lot to people that of all the places I've been in the U S even though it's not like, Cullen or Denaverty or Macrohanish, the feeling of it is. And that's what I'm trying to convey there. And and I, I just want to add Patrick um, is, is Patrick Boyd, who was, I believe, the first G GM at Sweetens. Patrick was the first GM, yes. Yeah. And just some of the stories that I have heard, you know, I, I've met him once, but but some of the stories that preceded him and and, you know, getting to talk to folks a little bit more who, who know him. I mean, just such a character. And I think uh, maybe a perfect first GM for a place like Sweetens in my mind. Oh, listen, you know, he, I say this in the, in the, somewhere in the book that I think Patrick is, and Rob will back me up on this. Patrick is the unsung hero of Sweetens Cove. I mean, he, he worked for basically nothing for two and a half, three years. Nobody was coming out there. He's the one that really, along with Rob, sort of started this stuff as a joke almost between themselves of, on Twitter and Instagram, you know, about the Illuminati and uh, yeah. all this stuff, you know, just kind of trying to have fun because there's nobody out there playing. Right. And people and people just picked up on it. And Patrick is, he's you would love him if you talked to him a lot. He's a very knowledgeable man. He knows golf courses. I mean, you name any golf course, and he's probably been there and he was a genius at understanding 
people that came out to Sweetens, like me or like Trey or Seth Stewart, there's a number of people, and Tron, because uh, you talk to Tron, he'll just go off about how great Patrick, you know, he'll, that's how they talk about is Patrick. And uh, he, he recognized people that love that type of golf and he encouraged them. And, you know, he didn't know me from anybody. And he, well, I, you know, I left something out that, that the second time we, I told you, he called me when we got rained out. So we go up there the next time. We got there and he got, he said, well, you must be Jim. And I'm like, how does this guy know who I am? I, and I, I finally figured out that nobody else was coming that day. <laughs> and, um, but he said, uh, look, man, I feel bad. It was me and Jake. He said, I feel bad that you got rained out and you drove part of the way up here. He said, I'm just going to, I'm going to charge off $15 to play today. And that, that's the kind of stuff that he did. And i tell you what's genius about that. That's looking at the big picture mm-hmm. is what that is. That's looking at people that you know are going to help get the word out about your course and are going to keep coming back and tell their friends about it. And, you know, that's a gift that, that he had. And he was the perfect, you know, general manager for the first, first three or four years. Chapter 11, some buzz. It's called the New York Times. Uh, it's a Bobby Jones quote from Bobby Jones on golf. It says, the real way to enjoy playing golf is to take pleasure, not in the score, but in the execution of the strokes. Yeah, and I know you may not agree with that. I've, <laughs> I've, 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 you and I, I've, I've seen some of your, yeah. your, your tweets about that topic. But, you know, Bobby Jones is also really an underrated writer. I, I, I would encourage people to, he wrote two or three books, three, I think, and they're very good. He's a very, was a very, um, almost a, in the Darwin style type of writing. But I think what I'm saying there is enjoy the fact that, that you finally, you, you've made it and you're starting to get some success. And, you know, a lot of people that come out to Sweetens and we, we play this way a lot. I mean, well, I like match play a lot myself and I'm, of course I'm a little bit older, but match play is so much fun at that course. And um, you just don't have to worry about, you're just worried about beating the guy you're playing against. And, um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of that tied in with just sort of the success of, um, and by the way, that, uh, yeah, that chapter title has been changed for the final version. It's actually called, you'll enjoy this. It's called no laying up the fried egg and the New York Times." Oh, wow. We got it. Yeah. A, so, oh. yeah. So it's good. I've got, uh, Tron is, uh, you know, Tron was one of the early founders of Sweden's and so I've, he's, featured in that a good bit but um he was kind enough we've talked a bunch about it over the last couple years but so anyway that it's really that chapter is really talking about you know you guys and andy and dylan to share that wrote that article for because i like dylan he's a good good writer for golf magazine how those things help get the word out to people and how you know and just sort of the unusual non-traditional way of a golf course being discovered by people so in a roundabout way that that that's what that's about well that's that's great thank you chapter 12 is you you alluded to it earlier it's it's titled the ringer uh it's it's a cormac mccarthy quote from blood meridian and the character the the judge he says the truth about the world he said is that anything is possible yeah cormac mccarthy is a is a national treasure. I think he's eighty three now and still still writing. He hasn't had a book come out since I think um, uh, the one of the the 
Apocalypse book that uh, they made into a movie. I can't think of the name of it now. But anyway, I've, I've got all of his books. And Blood Meridian is my favorite. That is just saying, and, and ironically, that was one way Rob and I connected in the beginning is I, I made some offhand comment about Cormac McCarthy and he just flipped out because that was his favorite author. And we wound up talking about it. And Anyway, I wanted to tie that in. But what, what that quote is saying and this character, I, this book I recommend. Now, this is not light reading by any means, um, but it's just a brilliant book. But it's really just saying this impossible thing has happened. You know, this course shouldn't be here. Uh, should have closed 20 times and and here it's it's made it and um you know that's when like i said earlier in our conversation I, I decided to write the book at the end of the ringer because you know rob felt like okay we finally made it i've got all these people here that are love golf and love this place and we're gonna make it we're gonna have you know and that's kind of what that that's about is it, so that is your favorite cormac mccarthy book well, you know, I love the trilogy, uh, this, uh, Cities on the Plain and um, the, the Crossing. Um, those are great. Uh, I mean, I, um, and why can't I not remember? I'm gonna look is it the road? Up. Is it the road? Right. The road. Yes, yeah. the road. The road is great. I love the road. Um, um, he's got one called, uh, I'm going to look at my shelf here. I've got them right here. Sutry and Outer Dark. I, and a lot of them have been made into movies. Oh, No Country for Old Men is my second favorite. Um, you know, that's another one that Rob and I talked about ad nauseum. Um, was the movie, which is one of the, my probably my favorite movie, is literally taken straight from the book. I mean, it the the dialogue in that movie is almost word for word from the book. Yeah, which you don't hardly ever see that. And it's just so good. And we've, we've talked about the ending of that book a lot. Rob and I were Tommy Lee Jones. I'm, I'm using the, the, uh, the movie here, but where he's talking about the dreams he had. And it's just so good. But yeah, I'm kind of, I love Cormac. And I'd say Blood Meridian's first and No Country second. And then that border trilogy about the, about the Mexican-Texas border where he, as uh, the man's just, He's just a genius. Um, I hope he has another book come out, but um, it's been out the road. It's probably been 10 years ago now. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. I, I need some entry points, Jim. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit I'm, I'm not overly familiar. Well, try, try no country for old men first then. Okay. That's what I, that's what I would do. Blood Meridian would be after if you decide you like Cormac McCarthy, then read, read Blood Meridian. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and that, that leaves the epilogue titled Peyton Manning and Friends. And the quote is by uh, Angus McVicker. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. McVicker. McVicker from yeah. golf. Is it golf in my gallows? Yes. Which, uh, let me explain that. that that's a Scottish term for um, suspenders. Gotcha. 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 Okay. All right. Because I'm thinking, uh, yeah. Um, and, and the quote is, on those ecstatic occasions when revelation comes, you give thanks to your creator, not only giving you life, but also for giving you life as a golfer. Yeah, this guy um, is just, I know I keep saying I have favorite authors, but he's, he's up in my top. And he's, he is from Dunaverty, 
he's dead now, but he, um, he wrote probably 20 books and a lot of them are just about growing up around Denaverty and Kintyre and, um, you know, his son wound up being a his son just passed away. He was a golf writer for, a, a, a for, um, the glass, I think it was the Glasgow Herald, one of the Scottish papers. Uh, but at any rate, um, I picked up his books years ago when I was over there. I love him. And he just talks about what a pleasure or privilege it is to be able to play golf and, you know, be outside and enjoy your friends. And, you know, when you do happen to play well, which is, I think he's talking about that a little bit here, it's just a bonus. And so I, it was just a quote that it was kind of, a happy quote, you know, with what happened in the epilogue, Rob finding a investor to really come in and, and put a lot more money into the course and everything just with Sweetens really being set for the long term. So it was just a, it was a quote from one of my favorite authors. It was kind of talking about that feeling of happiness and as it relates to golf. One thing I'm curious, you've spoken to a lot of the people that have instrumental in, in bringing Sweetens along and um, taking it from, you know, uh, the, the best kept secret in golf to now, you know, looking forward with people like Peyton Manning involved and the notoriety that comes with that. Are, are those people, I, I hope there's not, is there any resentment on like, Hey, we had this, this little secret that was ours and now, you know, it's getting bigger. I, I'm always curious about that. You know, it's it's a good point, and I talk about it a little bit in the book. I don't know. I mean, it's it's really a fine line because you know, the the days of uh, when Tron was out there with Dylan Mays and Patrick and John Allen and his brother Neil went out there with him and your partner on uh, your video partner. But um, <laughs> yeah, which by the way, y'all got to come to Alabama at some point. But um, we do. I know. I know you. Probably, I, know. I know you get. You get told that by everybody in the world, you got to come here. But and I know you can only do so much. But anyway, those days were fun because uh, you could go out there and play almost any, do anything you wanted to do. You could play from number one tee to number eight green. You could do anything, and because uh, there was nobody out there. But by the same token, a golf course can't survive like that. So. I think it's it's been fairly well accepted. And I think one thing that Rob did that was really smart, and I talk about this in the book, sometime in 2019, summer of 2019, you know, after this had been announced and the play was just through the roof. And I went out there one Sunday with Jake, and it took us almost three hours to play nine holes. And I, I was so depressed, Randy. I mean, I literally just had energy drained from my body. I, I, I called Rob. And I said, look, man, I'm not the person to complain, but, you know, this is not sustainable because there's so many people out here. Because what, what's happening, is, what would happen is, you know, they had tea times in the morning and tea times in the afternoon, but everybody that came in the morning was playing all day. Yeah. They, they yeah. wouldn't leave. And I don't blame them. So it just became a log jam in the afternoon. He's like, yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do. Well, they, they came up with this system of all day passes where, I think there's 10 tee times, 10 foursomes, and you get all you pay for an all-day pass and you play all day or play as much as you want. 
and it's really been great because the members, like I went up there Sunday and it was, you know, I, I hit the ball a little bit and it's kept that original feeling of, uh, you've got sweetness to yourself and, you know, you're playing fast, you're kind of doing what you want. And so that's been good. And I, I think the new ownership or the partners and stuff, I mean, I think they all love golf. I mean, people like Drew Holcomb, the musician is involved in it and he, he loves golf and, um, you know, Peyton Manning loves golf and, um, Andy Roddick loves golf. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, their, their heart's in the right place. And, um, you know, they've got, they've got the whiskey that they're, they're selling too, which has been doing really well from what I understand, but you know, they, they care about the golf course and, and Rob is still in charge of the golf course and makes the decisions about golf. And, um, so I, I don't think there's any resentment. I think it's, uh, I think the way that, that it's been handled with the popularity has been smart and it could have gotten out of hand because nobody likes playing slow golf. It's just not, it just takes your, it takes your energy away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good. That's, that's good to hear Jim. This was a, an excellent podcast because I think it was almost a, a discussion about your Sweetens Cove book mixed in with like, a book club discussion or a, a favorite authors discussion. I have so many books and, and people uh, to check out and to seek out their work. And that really excites me. And um, of course your Sweetens Cove book is, is on that list. I can't wait to read the the final form and have that hard, hardcover book or, or, you know, the, the physical hard book in my hands. Um, I just, I, I love, I love talking to you and I, I can't thank you enough for all your, your thoughts and insights. Look, I really appreciate it. You know, you guys have been great to me and um, love writing for your site and hope to keep I keep doing it. And, uh, you know, I'm already planning my second book, um, which is going to be. Uh, I've got some ideas, but it's going to be it's going to be the Scotland themed uh, book. Uh, but look, um, I just hope everybody enjoys it. I'd love for people to pre-order it. That helps us a lot, uh, you know, with our initial print run. And like I said, once it gets printed, it'll be out. On, you can get it on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. But for now, you know, go to Back Nine Press. But um, Randy, thank you very much. And look, we'll talk soon, okay? Awesome. Back Nine Press, the the number nine. Uh, and Jim, I just wanted to say, I, I hope you do make it over to Scotland next month. And I, I hope you uh, I just just soak it up. I, I, I know what it means to you and some of the things you've been through and, and with the book coming out too. Um, I, I, I hope it's just a time that, that you can be happy and, and uh, you know, just, just enjoy yourself a bit. All I can say is if you don't, if I do get to go, if you don't want to see pictures of Scotland, you better block me on Instagram because it's <laughs> be nonstop stuff. So anyway, yeah, I hope so too. And thank you for, for those thoughts. I appreciate it. Favorite rapper, hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute.